0: This week on the Recruitment Flex, Canada and U.S. job numbers come out and there is some areas of concerns. People, GPT.io, will it kill sourcing? And the skill gap will level the playing field for many candidates and background checks. How about not? The Recruitment Flex starts after this message from our partners at Rectex. Shelly, let's face it, texting candidates is the easiest way to hire quicker today. But your cell phone doesn't connect to your ATS. You're sharing your personal number with strangers. That's so pretty scary, right, Shelly? And mm-hmm. it's not even legally compliant.
1: Mm, this is where our friends at RecText come in. They've created simple yet powerful text recruiting software that works with your ATS. Plus, it's designed by recruiters for recruiters, so you know it works. To learn more and book a demo, visit www.rectxt.com, mention the Recruitment Flex, and get 10% off annual plans.
0: Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge.
1: And I'm Shelly, and we talk all things recruitment starting right now.
0: Bonjour and welcome to the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge, and as always, joined by Shelley Billinghurst. Shelley, are you ready for the Canadian Recruiting Networking Group tomorrow? you got a big presentation.
1: It is not big. It's five slides in five minutes. I'm ready. I'm hoping that the topic will just get everybody talking, honestly, about using ChatGPT and my approach – as per Shelley style, is how we can use it to up our game. Is your ready. presentation
0: ready? I haven't seen it. Yeah. I haven't approved it, and not that I'm part oh, of I'll it. Well I'll send it I, to you
1: for your approval. I think you'll okay, like it. Okay, please do. I did copy a little bit of your style, I have to admit. You'll see it will feel a little reminiscent of your Disrupt HR talk.
0: Love it. On on that note, I'm pretty excited. I've announced Disrupt HR in Halifax on June 22nd. So Halifax, Nova Scotia, one of the nicest cities in Canada. This is the first Disrupt HR in all of Atlantic Canada. So if you are there, you got to show up. If you're an advertiser or company as well, I'm willing to take your money to get in front of this audience. So please do reach out. But we've already got half of the speakers booked and some healthy ticket sales. So I'm excited to host the first Disrupt HR in ask, Halifax. So,
1: wh- why did you choose Halifax and not New Brunswick?
0: Population. Population of oh. Halifax is okay. way bigger. There's a lot more head office. There's a lot more HR folks. Okay. And my co-organizer, Leah Sobering, lives in okay. Halifax. So it makes a lot of sense. She's on the ground. I'm obviously mm-hmm. not on the ground. I'm as far as you can get probably from Halifax. Yeah,
1: it's like two days travel.
0: (laughs) Feels like it. But anyways, let's jump into the news. Both the Canadian and U.S. job numbers came out. They're a little bit concerning. Definitely showing a slowdown. Canada's economy added 41,000 new jobs in April. The concerning part of it is most of these jobs... Were part-time. And most of the people that fill those jobs were looking for full-time work, which is showing us a little bit of a slowdown, not a panic yet, but it's something for us to be aware. And as talent acquisition folks, there is maybe more people out there that we can actually recruit because the market is slowing down a little bit. The U.S. was very similar. U.S. job openings fell in, this is March, but it's to the lowest level in nearly two years A couple of things that are creating a little bit of caution is the number of Americans quitting their job, which is usually a sign that they can find better pay or working conditions. It dropped to 3.9 million, which is the lowest since May, 2021. I think we are over the great resignation. Uh, Do you agree with that first?
1: I agree. Yeah. I think the great resignation was also inflated by the number of people retiring early. Yeah. So that added to the perception, well, they were resigning, but it was not to find a different job. It was a really good time to retire. Your investments were up financially, perhaps recovered from losses in the 2008-2009 crash. I do believe that's cooling off too,
0: yeah. We're basically a pre-pandemic level that I think we talked a couple of years ago. The only concerning thing is anytime you see the numbers going down, is it a trend or is it abnormal? And as we both have seen Shelley doing this for a long time, the numbers can deeply fluctuate. We could be in a situation next month that Canada adds 200,000 jobs and the expectation was 10,000. So I guess we'll see, but I'm definitely feeling a very strong vibe out there just dealing on a day-to-day basis with clients that hiring is slowing down, but not all roles. Or industries. Yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about what yeah. industries yeah. are getting hit the most. The other item in the news, and I hate talking about layoffs, but I think it's our duty to share what's going on in the marketplace, especially when it comes to some of the bigger players and the biggest probably is LinkedIn. So LinkedIn announced that they laid off 700 people. In the grand scheme of things, that is 3.5% of their workforce of 19,000 people. Fairly minute, but this follows layoffs in, I believe, January, February, which hit the talent acquisition team really hard. And what I'm hearing, and I can't confirm it, is this was the double whammy. Again, talent acquisition and HR departments within those companies got hit hard, which we need to talk more about because there is so much short-sightedness in the markets when it comes to recruiters. The other thing that I thought was interesting, because not many players in our industry do anything in China, right? Like, Indeed's not in China, as far as I'm aware. All the social media platforms don't play in China. But LinkedIn has been in China for at least a couple of years with a tool they call InCareer. So it's not the normal LinkedIn site. It's basically like a job search site. And they've decided to sunset that in China. I'm thinking it's not doing well. And the other challenge with it is, is it really an area you want to focus? Obviously, the population in China is massive. If you can get a small market share of anything there, you're making tons of money. But just the challenge of operating in a market like China is almost impossible. And I'm going to assume this is what's happening here with LinkedIn in China. What was your take on these layoffs? Surprise, anything that really strikes you?
1: Well, it has to hit the newswire because it's 700 people. But I think you pointed out something is that it's only 3.5%. And it's really just right sizing.
0: (laughs) Right sizing. Ooh, corporate buzzwords. (laughs) Love it. Love it.
1: (sighs) In other news, more on the Canadian front, our friends over at talent.com they did a survey of Canadians asking if you'd be interested in going to a four-day work week. And drum roll, actually, no big surprise at all. A whopping 93% said that they would be interested. Of course. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, surprise. But it made the news here in Canada. So the idea is that you would work for 10-hour days, which you're still working 40 hours a week. So it's not that revolutionary, not that new. But it was an interesting study to say that people are interested in having a shorter work week.
0: Yeah, I think everyone's interested in a shorter work week. I think we actually are going to see four-day work week in our lifetime, Shelley. And one of the biggest drivers of it will be AI. Imagine how much more efficient we can all be in our job. We can get a lot more work done in 30 hours, leveraging a tool like AI in like, we, we can't even imagine what it's going to look like a year from now, scary or good. But I think in my experience of using it on a day-to-day basis, my efficiency with stuff that I hated to do has gone up so dramatically. So not mm-hmm. surprised. One thing that I do want to call out on it, I've been seeing a fair amount on LinkedIn recruiters selling that as the key pitch. I saw a recruiter with, come work with us. We offer four-day work week in the LinkedIn headline. And I saw a bunch of job postings with something very similar. Some companies are leveraging that as their differentiator or a way to attract talent that they might not be able to attract otherwise.
1: That's smart. That is smart. That dovetails nicely into our tip of the week. I took a test drive on people gpt.io. I know the first impression is that there's no need for sourcers anymore. And I do not agree. The test drive that I took, what would normally take you hours, if not weeks of sourcing, you can now slice back to minutes. The downside, though, is you need to be really specific with it. Because if you are too general, you will really create the same problem which is too many to choose from as you get better and better with it it will reduce the amount of time so you can select the top 10 people that you would send an outreach message to and talk about hey we offer four-day work week again depending on the sector that you're working in i love the idea of leading with a differentiator because that's recruitment marketing 101 if you're going to outreach to people have something compelling that will capture their interest. So, have you tried yeah, it?
0: I tried it. I loved it. And I agree, it won't kill sourcing, but pretty much any recruiter can learn sourcing really quickly. And to your point, it's all about the prompts. And it's similar with ChatGPT. The better prompts that you put, the better answers you get. And there's a whole industry around prompts for ChatGPT. And we're gonna see the same in this industry. Like, if We can learn bouillon string for sourcing. We can learn how to use this tool, right? But also like, let's be realistic. There is other tools that are going to be very similar, but I tried the free version of this one. And for my day-to-day in recruitment, I'm going to get the paid version. It's $40 a month. It's better than other tools that I've used and looked at. You did share to me before in the green room that you tested out RollBot, which is Mm -hmm. very similar. What was your thought as far as comparison?
1: There's still miles of difference. I did a demo on RollBot, which is a super cool product. Again, (laughs) the whole product is designed for sourcing. The biggest difference is... It's going to feed the information back to your applicant tracking system. You can use the job postings from your applicant tracking system to prompt it and teach the AI what you're looking for. And the really neat feature is you can take the LinkedIn profile of what you think is an ideal fit for this role in terms of their experience and what they've done. And their technology will use that as guidelines for who they select. The other big plus of RollBot is that it brings you only 15 at a time of the top matches. Then again, everything is done for you in the system versus I don't know if people GPT, if you can feed that data, Like, how are you going to get those candidate profiles into the applicant tracking system or into your CRM so that if somebody says, hey, I'm not interested right now, or I'm really happy in my job, or I'm not willing to relocate or whatever the reason is, you still want those people in your CRM to begin to pipeline them over the years. That's the biggest limitation right now if I was to compare the two. So really like the robot product. It was very cool and it guides you into a standardized process.
0: Yeah, with People GPT, if you have the paid version, you can actually send candidates through your ATS as CRM. From what I looked at it, I haven't okay. tested it out. But yeah. for now, what's really cool about it is it's really easy to get started, right, as robot, yep. which has benefits. But it's more right now, I would say, a mid-size to enterprise solution. I might be wrong. Robot, if you're listening, please let us know. But the tip of the week is go try PeopleGPT.io. I think you will like it. Shelly, do you want to jump into the recruiting insights?
1: For sure. Last week, we had quite a long conversation around the anticipation of some jobs will become obsolete and other jobs will be created as a result of AI getting better and better at what it does. There was an article that quoted the World Economic Forum, which every year puts out this exact type of report. It says, here are the roles that will continue to be highly sought after, not surprising, data analysts, scientists, machine learning specialists. And interestingly enough, this World Economic Forum, if you went back in time, they predicted that bookkeepers, which is what we talked about last week, Bookkeepers would become obsolete. Now they're saying data entry clerks and executive secretaries are expected to see the steepest losses. I don't think I agree. Certainly, data entry clerks absolutely cut and paste. AI can suss it out and sort it for you. I think in the last 10 years, executive assistants have become more popular and harder to find because a great executive assistant is taking care of administrative details. Allowing an executive to work at a higher level.
0: Yeah. So, Shelly, just at that point, I disagree with you because when I started my career, the CEO, the VPs, all had a min assistant or executive assistants. In most organizations now, they're usually managing multiple executives, right? Like they'll have the CRO, CEO, and say the CFO. The reduction of that role, in my experience, in every company I've worked in has been a drastic decline. So I don't disagree. I think we've seen some like virtual assistants and other types of roles plop up and make up the gap a little bit. But I don't know what the numbers say, but my perception is there is way less executive secretaries now than there was 10, 20, 30 years ago.
1: So I would define an executive assistant It has morphed, absolutely. Virtual assistants are worth their weight in gold because they're taking time-consuming tasks off your plate. Do they need to be sitting in an office just outside your door? No, they don't. What they do, I believe, has become more sophisticated. A true executive assistant is someone who can take data from all the departments that report to that executive and boil it down to a one-page summary can artificial intelligence do that? Perhaps. However, it still takes a person who is informed enough about the business to take all those reports and boil them into exactly what does an executive need to see in order to make good decisions about the company.
0: Yeah, I think the key thing that in this study that we find is there is going to be a lot of jobs at risk overall in I don't think we can really define with certainty that this type of role is going to go away for all the points you mentioned. But in the same study, there's something that really struck me when we're talking about the individual worker skills that need to be successful moving on. And a lot of them are soft skills. Some of them you can train, some of them you can't. But to me, this is where the great equalization when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, the college degree is now way less relevant than it's ever been because what this research is showing that non-degree holding candidates can learn new skills at roughly the same pace as college graduates. And those skills are not being thought in universities right now. I think we'll see that change, but there's so much discussion on soft skills to be successful right now. And part of it is the hard skills are being automated in some ways. You look at a software developer with AI, like. Yes. Are they still very valuable? Do you still need to put in the correct prompts? Yes. But you don't need someone with 25 years experience as you did before. We are looking at the advent of soft skills, the ability to interact with other people, the ability to empathize. Like All of these are all critical in this new workforce. And College graduates don't have an advantage over non-college graduates, so it's a tough position, right? I think it's changing the whole landscape.
1: I believe, and I have always believed, that a degree doesn't guarantee that you're a creative thinker. No. That's what I took away from this, is going to university will give you skills, the ability to think creatively, to be a lifelong learner, to be curious those sorts of soft skills those aren't necessarily taught in post-secondary so if there is a focus on soft skills like creativity and collaboration and curiosity it does level the playing field
0: for Hmm. sure well and if we're looking at the type of jobs that are going to be created and we talked about this a couple weeks ago if you're getting your PhD in AI, yeah, you're going to have a job. You're going to have a really good job. But there is a lot more to say for the person that spends 20 hours learning ChatGPT, GPT, as an example, and understanding the prompts and how to leverage it. That's a massive advantage in the workforce. And anyone can do this, right? And this is where, when I say when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, it's no longer you can't afford to university. You're fucked, right? You're going to be in a very tough position to get any job. Now, if you are the person that understands tools that we use on a daily basis more than anyone else, you're now at a competitive advantage and it's really in your control. Like your socioeconomic background doesn't matter anymore. It's just like who has the most skills is going to be the one that wins out. The most then- off skills
1: search Because we're saying that anyone can learn and you don't need a degree to learn these skills. What you can't be taught is soft skills. Don't focus on the soft skills. Yeah.
0: Let's jump into the next recruitment.
1: Next one is just talking about who's hiring and the white collar job market has hit a bit of a wall. The last two years, there was such a panic for recovery from the pandemic. We saw huge demand for white collar workers. Now, here we are. As we are heading into the middle of 2023, seeing it harder and harder for white collar workers to land a new job. Whereas a year ago, if you put out a resume, you were getting lots of response. So let's take software developers out because I know that's where you always go, but there's a whole lot more to the workforce than just tech workers and just developers, right? I think in the past, White-collar workers always felt that they were somewhat insulated from the economy versus blue-collar. And I think we're seeing for the first time, or at least what this article is saying, is that there are some industries that were traditionally insulated, like finance, consulting, and professional services. Those job seekers are actually having a really hard time. They may have left thinking the market was still as hot, but it's not. Are we tying this to recession? What are your thoughts?
0: I think there's a portion of it, right? Because with layoffs, what we've seen is mostly white collar across the board and recruiters have been probably the biggest one. We're seeing basically anything in the white collar world is being laid off. And there's a couple factors that this article points to it and we can agree or disagree on it. But one of the things is The ability to outsource white collar jobs, especially a lot of these jobs are remote. And we've seen that firsthand with Johnny Taylor at Sherm. that an employee came out and asked to work remotely and he just fired her and hired someone in India for 40% less or 30% less. Mm -hmm. I think there is very much that mentality with a lot of uh, C-suite. The other factor to it is... A lot of these companies overhired for those skill sets. And when the economy really downturned, put them in a position they had too much. And blue collar is not going to get affected because we don't have enough blue collar workers just based on the demographic that we have. And the ones we did lay off, we have laid off a ton in the past because of automation, manufacturing automation. Everything was affected years before what we're seeing in the automation of white collar type roles. So I don't expect any major blue collar layoffs for any time in the near future. I think this has now become the reality of white collar. You better differentiate yourself because we're now dealing in a world economy that they can hire anyone else in the world for a lot less. So you better be damn good. And even if you are good, you might still get laid off.
1: And the advice, if you're going to switch jobs, or if you find yourself laid off and a white collar looking for a new opportunity, take that opportunity to upskill, learn new software. What we were just talking about, that's exactly the advice to people is make sure you're clear on your resume, what your soft skills are, and be able to show the receipts because there's no excuse now. With ChatGPT, you don't have to think anymore. You can upload it and tell it to highlight your soft skills. But learning new skills and understanding where technology is going is probably the piece of advice that we would pass on to people.
0: So are you saying we should still put Microsoft Office on our resume like everyone does, right?
1: Can you believe it? Don't (laughs) you just cringe when you see that? Oh. Like saying you know how to use a phone. Yes. (laughs) Really? Oh, okay. I know to click on the little thing that looks like a printer.
0: All right, let's jump into the next recruiting insight.
1: Okay. So I like to find a little bit of good news somewhere, anywhere that we can. Good. I saw from hrexecutive.com talking about what Microsoft has done to really move the needle in terms of their inclusive hiring practices. And so what I loved, again, is they were screening candidates using a skills first. Mindset And building inclusion into the hiring practice, this is not an easy task at all. Never mind a company the size of Microsoft. So for them to be able to have more than 53% of its core US workforce include employees from racial and ethnic minorities, they're doing it. This is showing us the receipts. No easy task because you really need to have this baked into every step of the process. A round of applause for Lauren Gardner, who's the executive over at Microsoft for Global Talent Acquisition. That's what she was pointing to, is how they did it. What were your Yeah.
0: Questions? Well, really interesting article, but a lot of it is very similar. Microsoft has the capability better than anyone just because of the size of the workforce and the sophistication of their workforce to really change the way they hire, right? People do wanna work for Microsoft, so it's not the lack of candidate, it's not lack of people working there. Good on them for executing on something that worked. The one thing that really stood out to me in this article is with their campus hires. They no longer allow campus hires to refer someone. And the purpose behind doing that is they're just going to refer someone that is very like-minded, and then you get to a position that you're overly relying on referrals, and then suddenly you find out you have 90% of exactly the same type of background, skill set, upbringing – So that was really interesting to me. And I think what we're going to see moving forward is not in the article. And we've talked about referrals as a source of hire. And if you talk to anyone in the industry referrals, I'm going to take a step back. I am not on the referral trains anymore. I think, first of all, we've seen the quality of hires are way lower with referrals than any other hire. And the other side of it too is you end up with everyone being exactly the same. Microsoft is a different story, right? Like they can execute on something like this. But for most people, making minor changes is what we can do. And there is a pizzeria chain in the US called MOD Pizza. And I think they did something that is so easy, but has helped their business tremendously because they can actually now hire people. One of the things they did is they eliminated background checks for entry-level roles. So the person cutting the lettuce, people putting the pizza together, they're giving everyone an opportunity. And imagine the stress for a lot of these people. There's a couple of things that we have to realize here. Every part of our society, the economic viability of both men and women is extremely important, right? And there is nothing more dangerous than people who've had maybe a hard life, ended up in jail for smoking pot, like 10 years ago, and they're not given it an opportunity. But I think there's so much to say about employment and the pride of employment and having something to do on a daily basis that moves you forward. Good on them to remove the background checks for those types of roles. We have to open up the pipeline of candidates. We have to open up talent pools that we haven't looked at before. So MOD Pizza, good on them. Removing background check has fix their problem of getting enough people to work in their store.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, they take it a step further. They take it way further than any company I've ever read or seen in that the company offers employee assistance funds for expungement programs. Because like you said, if you got busted for smoking pot 10 years ago and it's now legal, but it stays on your record and it will deter you from getting jobs because there's a lot of companies, whether it's hourly workers, frontline workers, that do a criminal records check as part of their hiring process. So it may be something on your record, but you can never afford to go through the legal process of getting it removed. That is something I've never seen a company do. This is like whole nother level shit. I get the step one is remove the criminal background check. But what are you going to do to help those people who you now have on board and to have them stay. They also have tuition-free college to support yeah. employees' stability and mobility. So wow. Okay. Really something to take a page out of their book for sure.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. And the interesting thing is their stores are all fully staffed for the majority, which how many retailers pizzerias quick service restaurants can say that this is the formula this is yes. what you need to do kudos great job keep yeah. doing it on that note and talking about retail i'm going to close off on home depot is increasing its wages fairly significantly for that type of role even with sales being fairly down the leaders are really putting a bet that hey Our future is making sure that our employees are feeling well-treated, they can support their family, and that's going to help us long-term. I think what's great about it as well is forcing like Walmart and Target, they're boosting their minimum wage as well because they now need to compete against Home Depot. And we all know like in the U.S., minimum wage is still $7.25. How can anyone live on that? You can't even go to... McDonald's, a family of four, and not spend $40, $50 anymore, right? Grocery. What do you buy on $200 a week if you have a family, or even if you're two people, you can't. So I I think Home Depot is just trying to set themselves up that with higher employee morale, people making more money, they're going to be more engaged in their work, which is going to cascade into more sales, more profits, and... I think the other side of it is what choice do they have? Like Everyone in this space is struggling. So they can remove the barriers similar to what MOD Pizza did and even a higher level Microsoft. But yeah, it's a tough talent pool to hire right now. What's your thoughts?
1: Well, interesting that they chose to highlight Home Depot holding them up as, oh, look at them. It's really a simple equation. If you pay people well and you treat them well, they will do well by your customer. So I applaud that Home Depot is going to provide pay raises, not just in certain markets, but right across the board. It is good for business. And they realize that.
0: So good on them. So Shelly, you hit a key point. A lot of companies are always the customers number one. And I think that's the wrong policy, right? And we've talked about this. We have situations with clients that, no, your employees should be number one because who deals with your client? If your employee is treated well, the customer will. And it's a hard thing for a lot of people to understand up the chain that if you have a bunch of unengaged employees that deal with these customers, yeah, it doesn't fucking matter what's on your billboard, that like customer number one because it's not going to happen. So mm-hmm. good point. Shelley, another Week of the recruitment flex, and I have nothing exciting outside of your event tomorrow. And TA Tech, are you going to TA Tech or not?
1: I don't think so. No.
0: Yeah, I can't go either, so I guess we'll miss out. But that's okay. We'll have plenty.
1: Yeah, that's okay. Who knows?
0: All right, Shelly. Well, have a fantastic week.
1: Thank you, Serge. Have a good one.